Hi, I'm your host, John Rebecki, and in today's episode, we'll focus on entrepreneurial passion. It is a term that has been widely researched and has been shown to be a driving force of entrepreneurial motivation and success. The passion we're describing is seen as the entrepreneur's deep, positive feelings for and identifying with the products or services of the business. Passion can evolve into an affirmative belief in the entrepreneur's ability to be successful and often results in greater enjoyment for the work required and bolsters their persistence and resilience. We'll discuss this today with Ron Montgomery, owner and founder of The Six Juice Company. After his mother, Willie Mae's successful battle with stage four breast cancer, Ron realized she needed a healthier diet to assist with her recovery. So he began juicing to increase her fruit and vegetable intake. After witnessing the positive effect juicing had on his mother's health, Ron decided to share his proven recipes with the world and launched The Six Juice Company. But the journey from his home kitchen to placing bottles on store shelves was far from easy, which will become apparent as we hear his story. Welcome, Ron. John, how are you? Good, thanks. Hey, Ron, I have to say that since our podcast audience can't see you, let me describe Ron as a six foot ten African-American business owner whose size and stature encases a warm and effervescent personality. And you'll hear the passion show through as we talk today. All right, so one request. Yes, sir. Call me six. Call you six. Why, why should we call you six? Because I'm six ten. So everybody calls me six. So one thing I didn't want to do, especially with my company, you know a million Rons, but you will forget the name. But six, six ten, you will always remember. So I always wanted to stand out because I do stand out. So everybody calls me six, and my friends used to call me six ten, but then they got lazy, so they called me six. <laughs> and hence the name of the juice company. Absolutely. In the introduction, I sort of gave people uh, an idea of what the motivation and passion that drives you. But I would like you to talk about that a little bit. You know, it started off helping my mom. You know, if you we have this horrible disease called cancer, that's a plague. As a son, and me and my mom are really close. And I, there was not much I can do for her. You know, she had stage four. They gave her a less than a 30% chance of living. She beat it. You know, she's doing great today, driving her son crazy, which is a good thing. I don't complain about that. But I wanted to do something because she had, from the chemo and from the radiation, her bones began to get weak. I wanted to do something. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to juice for you. I heard this thing about juicing is good for you. Now, I, I had no experience with juicing. I knew nothing other than I heard it was good for you. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get a juicer, you know, and I was like, all right, we're going to make you some juices. You know, it's just, I, I had, I knew nothing. I did it to help my mom. I just started making juices and I was really bad at it, but I liked it. So I kept going. My friend Jackie said to me, you should put these in bottles. You know, you can sell these. I'm like, eh, not really. She said, no, you really can. So that night, again, me and my stubbornness, I couldn't acknowledge that she was probably right. That's kind of where the journey began for me. I don't know. It was just, it was a situation where I was like, all right, well, let me at least try it. You know, because I like to see things through. If I fail, eh, at least I tried. So you, there's an acceptance of risk. You understood the risk going into this. Yes, but the crazy thing is I didn't know how deep this was. Uh. Like, I'm going very novice. Mm -hmm. Like, I had no idea how intense this business is. Like, it's intense. As with most entrepreneurs, they don't go perfect first time out. No. So you have a degree of failure and success. So you see what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. So I was terrible at it. Like being truthful, that wasn't good. I was still like trying to figure it out. I, uh, I have a friend that owns a gym and in this gym, he was like, listen, I'm doing a, a fitness meet. The guys will do the, uh, 
Powerlifting. Powerlifting, okay. Now, these are all guys like my size. I'm talking about three, four, five. You know, these guys are lifting a 1,000 pounds. Like, it's insane. So he was like, why don't you come and sell juices? It'll be a great spot for you. All right, now, here I am. So my machine was $40. I think I upgraded to a $100 machine. All this stuff out. And I'm making these juices, but nobody's really buying. But I kept going. And then eventually, a couple of people started buying them. It was like really good. So I had some stuff left over. So a friend of mine, he was like, God, oh, I, I don't like, I like kale. I don't like spinach. You know, but I don't like, I think it was orange or something like that, whatever. So I had some pineapples. So I made kale, spinach, pineapple, and lemon. He was like, this is really good. He started telling his friends. So everybody's coming outside for now this green drink. Because what they realized was it was giving them energy. So I ended up selling that and I sold out. So I was like, all right, I might be on to something. As I grew, I did research. I did more research, more research, and more research. Went into the incubator. We talked about going to the kitchen incubator. Yeah, would and you tell us about that a little bit? How did you discover that even existed? Google. Ah, okay. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> Google. I would have to say, me going into that kitchen incubator, it's called uh, Kitchen Co-op in Amityville, it literally changed my life and my business. Besides the fact that I gained so much experience with business, I gained a friend out of it. So the owner, Dave and Cindy, Dave, and they helped me navigate this path of business that I was very new in, very, you know, I knew nothing. And the first thing I had to do when I realized, okay, I'm going to make this a business, I took my pride and I locked it in the closet. If you have pride, you won't make it in business. You can't have pride because you don't know. So I learned that quickly, but I was humbled quickly. But I says, listen, what do I have to lose? So to take this from my home counter, I had to take it into this kitchen incubator to make it a business. And you want to offer something clean and healthy and people want to know, like, where can I get traced? So that's especially important, especially if you want to get licensed, they have to be able to trace where your product is made, day specific. As we get into it, like, we'll talk about um, critical points, your HACCP plan, you know, dates on your bottles, labels. It's very intensive. So to grow my business, I went into the kitchen incubator, and they taught me a lot. Till this day, I'm still learning. They taught me how to take my business from my counter to ShopRite, and that's where we're at now. For instance, if we talk about labels, a um, mutual friend of ours was talking to me and said, listen, you need to do better labels. I was doing 25 bottles a week, and I was a mess. So Dave was like, let me help you. First thing you have to do is contact Cornell University. The reason you have to contact Cornell University is because you need to know about botulism because if somebody gets sick, you're responsible. So I said, okay. Contacted Cornell, did a lot of research a lot of about different fruits, about different vegetables. They have a lot of information for free. Mm-hmm. You just have to read it and you know, apply and they'll talk to you. Um, so I did that. So you had to really become very resourceful. Yes. You had to like figure out where do I go? And it's something I hear from most entrepreneurs is you don't have to do this journey by yourself. No. If you reach out to people and say, can you help me? Most people are pretty willing to, to pitch in. I was business poor. I had no, I had no money. You know, <laughs> I had nothing. I had to. Right. Like, I had to do everything by hand. Like, I was the, uh, <laughs> I had to cut the fruit. I had to juice it. I had to bottle it. I had to be my own lawyer, my accountant. Um, 
Legal Zoom helped me out a lot. <laughs> it's paperwork that I didn't know. Right. So you had to become very resourceful because the culture is shifting as far as entrepreneurship. Right. You can do it if you put in the time. I've missed weddings and parties and vacations and, you know, <laughs> right? So you find a way. So that brings me to that point where when we opened, we talked about the passion that drives you, right? That helps you overcome the bumps in the road. And sometimes they're more than just bumps. They're hills you have to climb yeah. along the way. Again, I'm very green. Now, this is a few years later as I began to grow and work with Cornell and everything and learn about botulism and all that stuff, uh, flash pasteurization and all that. So I said, all right, let me go and see how much money. So I wrote myself a budget. I was like, how much can I get for $250? So what I did was I walked out with, I want to say about 65 watermelons, four cases of orange. I basically a whole truck full of fruits and vegetables. Right. Where if I would have went to somebody else, it probably would have cost me close to six, $700. Right, because you, you, you went to a wholesale facility, the Hunts Point Market. Yep. In business, you learn to, they call it scaling. Yep. I call it cutting out the middleman. Okay. Again, going back to the label company, this, which is awesome. I could have went to the bottle company that goes to another third party, but mm -hmm. I'm like, why? I go myself. And then I needed to learn. I needed to learn about everything. So there was no roadmap for this. Oh, no, there isn't. Right. So you really had to invent the roadmap. You had to, yeah. you had your own journey. I'm writing my blueprint every day. Ah. This is what I tell people. If you don't love what you do, you will not be successful. Now you have, it was, it was an interesting story you told earlier about, you don't have focus groups. No. Who do no. you go to to taste your juices? Children. I didn't, going back to the earlier, so I didn't have money. I officially launched in the marketplace in 2017, but I had started like three and a half years prior. Mm -hmm. I didn't have money to do the whole focus group and have everybody in the room and taste test. So I gave it to my friends who had children. Now, Children don't lie. If they don't like something, they tell you in like 1.1 millisecond they don't like it, right? <laughs> right? They do. So all my flavors were chosen by children. So going back to the story about my friend who had the, the meat, he liked it, but his kids loved it. And he says, can you make them more? Because my son doesn't do any greens. Until this day, I market towards kids, towards moms. Moms are the buyers of the house of food. Right. right? So... Your wife or your girlfriend or whoever case might buy for the house. So she's going to be like, all right, here, drink this. And what are you going to do? You're going to drink it. <laughs> That's <laughs> it, right? Right. Drink it. So, but kids come back for it. Ding, 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 ding. Light goes off of mom. We recently did something at the Children's Hospital in Stony Brook. So this young girl, she's fighting for her life. She's battling cancer. So she hadn't eaten in three days. And so we was going out there giving out juices. And so I gave her one. She says, would you try it for me? She said, okay, sweet girl. They, she was walking around because she had to she had to walk around. So halfway back, the nurse runs up to me. She's like, do you have more? It's like, yeah, absolutely. She's like, what happened? She was like, I'll just call her Sandy because keep her privacy. Sure. So the young girl, Sandy, was like, she, she drank it in seconds. She says, we haven't been able to get her to eat or to drink anything in three days. So she drank another one. So that was my passion. To me, I'm successful. Because of that. So to me, I made it because it helped people. And that was my goal. So your passion is really, really centered in helping other people. Yeah, it's, 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 we're the curators of the culture, right? So the culture is whoever you are 
And what I mean by that is we're creating a healthy lifestyle. I don't sell juices. I promote a lifestyle that accompanies the health portion of it. You've done all this yourself. Yeah. As we talked earlier, you know, you've got a, you've had a couple of mentors along the way that have helped you cross that journey. But now, uh, from what you and I discussed earlier, you're about ready to scale up now in a big way. Every entrepreneur, entrepreneur will tell you, if you haven't cried, if you haven't felt it's literally your stomach is in knots, if you haven't woke up in the morning and your bank account is negative $1,000, but you have to make payroll by 12, all these, these are all the things of business. I have to run my business to keep my business alive. I don't have extra. I have enough to pay bills each week. So we're now getting ready to go into, I found a way to get myself into grocery stores at a very cheap price. And that's what I did. We are now, we're in local stores and local gyms, Profit Deer Park, a couple smaller stores. So scaling up is a whole new adventure. And I'm deep in the, I'm deep. So, you know, we have a 90 day shelf life because we do the HPP process. So that extends the shelf life, which basically gives it the bends. So if you ever think about a diver that goes all the way down deep, the pressurization. So we do that to the bottles to kill any botulism to give us a longer shelf life. Now going into stores, I had to figure out what type of bottles they wanted, labels. We own the design of the labels that's on the bottle. We own the brand. We trademarked everything. I had to figure out barcoding. I had to figure out how to stack pallets. I had to figure out what type of shrink wrap. What I did was I wanted to learn all that. And I was like, let me start cutting costs now so that when I get to that point, I'm not shocked and I'm ready. I don't grow at what the pace people tell me. I grow at my pace and I have grown at my pace. I've told people honestly, no, I'm not ready for that yet. Let me do this. Let me do that. Let me get to that point. Right. And you know what a lot of the non-dealers say? Okay, cool. I like that. I respect that. Right. Because a lot of people just, oh, you know, I have this big retail intro. I'm going to go and jump. I was like, I'm not ready for you. But when I'm ready, we're going to do good business. That's a one mistake a lot of entrepreneurs make. They jump too early. Got it. They grow too fast. They, get, they, get into, they put themselves in a position where they're really not prepared. Yeah. This is a long-term game. This is not for, oh, I'm going to do this. Yeah, listen, lightning strikes every now and then. There are guys who came up with an app and an idea and they get lucky and you know they blow up and next thing you know, they're worth $100 million. Cool. But the average entrepreneur, that doesn't happen. We fail a bunch. I've failed three or four times in this business. Yeah, but now it sounds like you know, you're, you're on a pace where you learn from those initial failures yes. and you realize, hey, I need to know more. I don't know enough. Yeah. You went out, you got people to help you. And then you took it to a point where I say, okay, I'm going to grow, as you pointed out, at my pace. And I'm going to do this so that when when I'm really ready, I'm going to be successful at it. Yes. I'd rather tell you no and explain to you why I'm not ready than to go in and tell you yes, and then we fail. See, a lot of places, you get one shot. If you're not ready to take the shot, just say, I'm not ready. They will respect you more for saying that and say, okay, when you're ready, come back. Even before I put my product in a store, I do taste testings for a month to get people excited and then let the store know people want to buy here. So then I have now like a marketing staff. All they do is go out and get free juices. That's my investment. You had no formal business background. This was, you you know, you hit the ground running and then you learned lessons and it sounds like it was a a school of hard knocks to some extent. Every day it is. Uh I have to go put out fires today. Every day is a hustle. 
you have to wake up with the same desire you did when you started. What does it say? You get you get a hundred uh, ninety nine no's. I'm probably maybe at forty. So I still have to get a lot more no's. Right. But what do I do with those no's? Do I take it and shrivel up? No. I say to them, well, how come no? And a lot of people will tell you why. Because you're not ready. Because this is what I would need from you. So I said, okay, so if I come back with this, yeah, we can have a conversation. So you learn you learn people and you learn your product. People ask me all the time, what is my competition doing? I say, I don't care what they're doing. You know, my managers, if they care about what, I don't care. Because they're not me. These other juice brands, what they're not doing is what I'm doing. I'm talking to the people. I'm connecting with people. What are some of the lessons you wish someone had taught you early on? Nothing. And the reason why I say that is it made me who I was. If somebody would have taught me some of the lessons that I went through now, I probably wouldn't be here. It would have scared me. I look forward to the unknown. To be a successful entrepreneur, and I don't mean success money-wise, you have to go into that dark room of the unknown. And you have to stay there. So it's all about resilience, persistence. Yes. Carrying you forward. Yes. And putting that passion in front of you and saying, this is why I'm doing it. Any lessons, I would say, for me personally, put me in the dark room. I'll figure it out. I will make light. I have to ask you, what one word describes you? Big. Big. I think big. I live big. I dream big. I am big. What I mean by that is I believe in myself more than anybody. I'm a, I'm a big man in stature, but I hope my heart is bigger than my body. You know, like I love people. I want to help people. You know, I have all different races that work for me. I have a lot of women that work for me. I do different empowerment. Like I love people. I love connecting with people. That's wonderful. And one of the things that came through today during our conversation, and I said it from the outset, that after people hearing you today, and it's something that I felt when I first met you, was that, yes, you're big in stature, but really what that encases is somebody who is, who's effervescent, who's, who's alive, and has a great deal of warmth about them. Thank you. So I, I want to thank you for joining us today on this thank podcast. And thank thanks you. so thanks, much sir. for your insights. Appreciate it. Thanks, John. From small batch quantities produced on his kitchen counter to ramping up for grocery store sales, Ron walked us through his journey. And although there were many hills to climb and lessons he needed to learn, his passion and resilience helped him along the way. Ron emphasized the importance of taking your pride and locking it away. You need to be humble. Be open to the fact that you don't know enough. Ask for and accept help from others and learn to say no if you're not ready to take on a large-scale opportunity. People will respect your honesty and keep the door open for when you are ready. We thank Ron for sharing his experiences and for giving us these valuable lessons. This podcast is executive produced by John Rebecki and New York Institute of Technology in conjunction with the School of Management and the Office of Strategic Communications and External Affairs. Our executive producer and social media strategist is Paulette Lemonier. Our audio editor and mixer is Brian Falk from Abacus Entertainment. The director of professional enrichment and producer of this podcast is Deborah Cohen. Our graphic team is Paula Geraldo and Julia Donnie. Special thanks to Karen Marie Belknap, Jacqueline Compton, Constance Talesha, and Petra Shantaraga. Until next time.